There are three European finals to come between now and the end of the season, and none of the six places in those finals are yet secure. It's all up for grabs in the Champions League, the Europa League, and the Europa Conference League. This week, there'll be thrills, spills, heartbreak, and pure, unadulterated joy. I love this bit of the season. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Squad rotation is critically important at this stage of the season. Delighted to say that after missing the weekend show and recharging their batteries, betting experts Mark O'Hare and Mark Stinchcombe are back in the starting side for this European special. Mr O'Hare, let's get right into it. Liverpool's trip to Villarreal on Tuesday. Liverpool 2-0 up from the first leg. The Reds are 1.75 on the exchange to win the second leg outright with Villarreal 5.2. It's fair to say from some people in the media, uh, Villarreal got stick for their approach in the first leg. But let's be honest about it. If they'd opened up, they would have got absolutely smashed, wouldn't they? Yeah, um, I did laugh and I saw the headlines and then actually watched the the footage. And I, yeah, Villarreal criticised, not just in, in one particular place, but quite a few sources too were actually kind of having a go for their approach. But the game kind of reminded me a little bit of the derby, Liverpool against Everton at Anfield just a few days earlier. And Everton, yes. It's a perfect a few... dress rehearsal, wasn't it? Everton did Liverpool a favour. Yeah, per- perfect. <laughs> and yeah, Everton probably had more fleeting moments of threat, really, when possession was turned over compared to Villarreal. And I think that's probably where the, the real sort of criticism came for the Spaniards. But, you know, as you say, what, what, what do you expect them to do? They're playing arguably the best team in the world. They're not even in the best four teams in their own country. You know, if they're going to release those shackles and, and play on the front foot, Liverpool will just cut them to shreds. Um, so, you know, Unai Emery was quite despondent post-match, understandably, with the result. But surprisingly, he kind of backtracked and said maybe the game plan didn't work. And I thought it did for, for a large extent of the match. Um, but, you know, when Liverpool do enjoy possession and territory and... Um, you know, basically when that first goal came. And it was a rather fortuitous goal as well. I guess the issue is when Liverpool are so relentless and their squad is so stacked and you can make five changes, it's very, very difficult to remain in shape and, uh, and you know, on game plan for 90 minutes like Villarreal and Everton tried to do. And, you know, I don't think that's a major criticism. Um, they just didn't get the opportunity to launch those counter-attacks. But that hurt Juventus and hurt Bayern Munich. And we talked about the Liverpool press. We talked about the Liverpool offside trap. Worked superbly yet again. They're able to rest and rotate then against Newcastle on Saturday. Just the momentum building around the team right now after a slow start. They just looked in charge of that match too. And um, no major injuries afflicting their squad now either. I know there's a couple of players who are missing, Origi and Firmino potentially, but even still probably wouldn't be in the first choice 11. Uh, Compare it to Villarreal, who Moreno is still a doubt. We still don't know whether he's going to be fit and available. He's so key to them if they are going to play in those counter-attacks and transitions. But then you've got, according to the Spanish press, muscle injuries and, and fitness concerns over Albiol, Jeremy Pino, Coquelin, Danjuma. Just take one or two of those out, and, as well as Moreno. And, and that's a big, big issue for Villarreal. And, you know, in all honesty, Emery was saying at the weekend, you know, we're going to have to change our tact, change our game plan. I don't see any difference to what we saw last Tuesday. I think Villarreal will be really foolish to try and loosen up and, and play on the front foot from the first whistle. Um, just as we were talking about, like how, how do you go about stopping this Liverpool team? I think to kind of go at them from the throat from the first whistle might be 
might be a, an issue really. So um, I think if you give Liverpool that space, that time, the opportunity, they're going to hurt you. So coming out to this match, um, I don't normally want to back a team to, to win a game when they don't have to win, particularly with a two-goal head start. But um, I thought actually the 11-10 to 10 on the sportsbook for the second half to be the highest scoring half was interesting. Um, it's always an angle I'm I'm looking at in second leg knockout ties for obvious reasons, but more so I think when the scoreline requires one team to chase, and especially if that team is the the underdog um, at home as well. So and you know just to buy into this sort of tactical game plan as we expect. Uh, I personally think that Villarreal will, will, will follow the same path as we saw at Anfield and open up as the game progresses if they can stay competitive. But the alternative really was, I mentioned it in the first leg, under three goals, but the price has been clipped in a little bit too short there. That's where you require four goals or more to lose. But yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I thought Liverpool price to win this match was still reasonable. Um, I just wouldn't be rushing to back it. If I was going to back it, I'd be chucking under, under four and a half goals, which you can get evens on the, on the sports book, which is a bit more palatable, I think. But bearing in mind as well, Liverpool play Spurs on Saturday. Um, so there could be a, a few more rotations as they've done really well under Jurgen Klopp recently. Uh, and if the game is kind of done and dusted by half time, I imagine eyes will be elsewhere for the second half. If you do go for a bet builder like that, the Mark has just suggested, worth bearing in mind that our fantastic Ackers and Bet Builders offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Ackers or Bet Builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. Stinch, it's a difficult one, isn't it, for Villarreal? Because this is such a step up from what they've done before, which is incredible to knock out Juventus, to knock out Bayern. They were excellent at home against Bayern in the previous round, but they're punching so far above their weight here, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different game or tie dynamic now, isn't it, compared to when they faced both Bayern and Juventus at home. They were first legs where, you know, it was both 0-0 and they could play out their tactical plan from from the beginning, whereas obviously this one 2-0 down. It's difficult to know what the what the approach is over the course of the 90 minutes is probably the one Mark suggested um, where they do try and keep things tight and look to open up later on. But, you know, uh, probably similar a little bit to how Atletico Madrid played in their second leg against Man City. But in that instance, Atletico only needed one goal to take the tie to extra time, whereas Villarreal need two. So, you know, it's very difficult to see the, the if that would be the, the best course of action. I think uh, tip of the cap to you, Kev. Unfortunately, no markets available, but I think you did call uh, Geronimo Rulli to pull out his best David James impression in the in the first <laughs> leg. Uh, honestly, he looks like he's won a raffle to play. The guy is... There was one save he made where he got on his knees to push the ball away at chest height. It was, it was utterly <laughs> bizarre. I, I, I can't... The thing I can't really understand is how a really detail-obsessed manager like Unai Emery can look at him and go, yeah, he's the guy I want in goal. I, I can't understand it at all. Yeah, for sure. And I think, having said that, just thinking out loud, like obviously we know how dangerous Liverpool are from uh, from set pieces. Um, Ibrahima Kanate, 11-1 to 1 to score if he plays. That could be something to look at, given the fact that Virgil van Dijk is half the price and shorter at 5-1. to 1. So that just shows you the big disparity there. And we know Kanate scored three goals over the past few weeks, including two in Champions League. So 
Not a bet that I would want to advocate, given what Mark's already said, with um, Liverpool not actually needing to win, therefore not needing to score. Um, but it, you know, if you just if you were kind of you know having a recreational punt, shall we say, um, you know, looking for something to back to keep you interested, maybe that that could be uh, worth a small wager. Yeah, it's difficult to see what Villa are going to do here. Uh, just one shot in that first leg, which came after 35 minutes. You'd think being two 0 down after 55 minutes, at some point you'd have to at least have another shot in the game but they didn't so uh but then did Liverpool not get enough credit for that stinch because a lot of the narrative was about how Villarreal came and they shut up shop and blah 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 but actually if you watch Fabinho's performance he's putting out fires left right and center I don't think it was an unwillingness to get out and get the ball to Danjuma and Chiquese I think it was an inability because you had Thiago weaving his pretty patterns all over the place and Fabinho just slamming doors all over the pitch. Yeah, I think you're probably right, actually, especially when you consider that Trent seems to get an awful lot of stick for his apparently inability to defend, yet you only have to look at Liverpool's clean sheet record to see, well, maybe actually he is, he's okay at defending. And obviously Andy Robertson plays as a winger as well often, so there's obviously a lot of space going in behind there. I think Everton was a perfect example that Anthony Gordon's, you know, young and raw and not much experience gave both Trent and Matip a lot of problems. So yeah, maybe Liverpool didn't get enough credit for that, for that showing um, against uh, Villarreal in that first leg. I think probably the because it's a Champions League semi-final, the the media essentially wants to see a match. Whereas really, because Liverpool are such a, a powerful and dominant team, it's essentially the matches on their terms. And we know em- yeah. Emery is very pragmatic. And who's to say that Emery's approach was not the right one, given what they did to both Juventus and Bayern. So yeah, it's just I think it's just a case of, as you said at the beginning, it's a, it's a big step up in class. And Liverpool have got the squad now to, to deal with resting and rotating players on, on, a, on, a, on a very packed schedule. And yeah, I just think anybody that's maybe enticed by back in Liverpool to win, probably worth mentioning that uh, or remembering about how the fact they had uh, comfortable 2-0 leads against both Inter and Benfica and then didn't win either of those second games because they didn't need to win them and they were managing. And Mark makes a very good point that Tottenham at the weekend is obviously a very difficult game. So arguably there's going to be eyes on there on there as well and you could definitely see Klopp taking advantage of the the five substitution rule so yeah maybe a little bit dull a little bit boring but in my mind because of the the tie dynamic dynamic of more than a one goal lead if Liverpool were only had the one goal lead I'd be very tempted to try and find a way to back Liverpool but with the two goals I think it's 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 difficult to to justify really and there's probably other better opportunities in in Europe elsewhere this week so yeah from for me it's a, it would be a no bet on on this game Wednesday sees Real Madrid look to overturn a 4-3 first leg deficit against Manchester City. Real have just been crowned champions of Spain, but they're the 3.5 outsiders to win this second leg. Stinch, we keep writing Real off, but they keep hanging in there. Is this finally the end of the road for them? I really hesitate to say that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, especially with... Uh, I'm going to upgrade Karen Benzema FC to Batman and Robin because it's Benzema and Vinicius, isn't it? Um, yes, that's true. But I, that's true. I think at least on this occasion, I think Man City might have a genuine right back that will be available for, for this match. So that 
perhaps would uh, nullify that Vinicius threat. I was, you know, how we, you know, joked about uh, Man City or Pep would would potentially play Edison at right back. I was very shocked that he persisted with Fernandinho in that right back position. I thought, yes, thought he might go. It wasn't too far off playing Edison, <laughs> there, really. As good as Fernandinho is, it's not really his position. Well, it's, it was hilarious. I thought Fernandinho was a walking yellow card but not for arguing with the referee. He thought he would have got it for chopping down Vinicius at some yeah. point, but literally he's just so slow to, I think his, his, uh, his body moves after his brain nowadays, like that little turn on the halfway line that went through his legs. I think he was still turning around while the ball was going in the net, but I mean, that is one of my favorite moments <laughs> of the season. Cause it's, it's perfection from Vinicius, but yeah, poor old Fernandinho. <laughs> he looked a bit dazed and confused, didn't he? There, yeah. But uh, having said all of that, I was quite surprised to see that I know Madrid have won the league, but the scenes of them partying all weekend, like, can you not save that till after the end of the season? Like, don't get me wrong. Not when Marcelo's involved. <laughs> just, just very, very surprised that it doesn't strike me as very professional, to be honest. Um, and, you know, in a, in a game like football where fine margins do define the success and failure I uh, yeah I just think that's not not a very that wasn't a very good move to be honest um having said that we know Man City are the better team anyway um I think being Real Madrid are going to have to attack at some point so I think that will leave space I think Man City at evens is is quite backable to be honest again want to emphasis the emphasize the fact that I don't really like to be back in teams that don't need to win but when you've got Man City, they're the best team in the world and you're being offered evens in a game where I think they will get chances on the counter-attack. I think it's arguably too big to turn down. I mean, you look at the, the first leg and maybe 5-1, 5-2 would have been fairer than 4-3. don't think that was maybe justified really in terms of the chances created. You look at the non-penalty expected goal, City created over three, Real Madrid were, had just one overall. You look at when they met two years ago across the two meetings, City created 5.1 expected goals, restricted Madrid to less than two. Essentially, we know City are very good at creating high quality chances and they are very good at creating high quality chances against this Madrid team. I mean, Chelsea just went there and they created three expected goals in the Bernabeu. So I don't think I don't think Man City are going to play this anything other than going out there to win. I mean, in my mind, you saw at 4-3 when Benzema scored, what was it, sort of the 82nd minute or so. Even after that, City were trying to go on and get that fifth and get that two-goal advantage. So I, yeah. I think that's going to be what ha- plays out here. And you just look at prices um, in terms of what City have gone off at in away games uh, recently. 8-11 to in Atletico, 4-6 to at Arsenal, 8-11 to in Leipzig, 8-11 to at United. Now, I'm not saying Real Madrid are... Uh, are on par with all of those but I don't think they're miles better than a lot of those so yeah I think obviously as I say we as I keep sort of emphasizing the motivation factor is difficult but I just think yeah I think this even money Man City is just a little bit too big to turn down you could be a train of thought where they go ahead and maybe you could cash out if they were to go into sort of one to four one to five because you would be a little bit concerned that they might sit back um so yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just me trying to trying to say yeah, this is like a way of backing City to score first, but at a much bigger price. Yeah, Mark, it's interesting what Stinch says there about them basically going out on the lash after winning the title. But this is them, isn't it? They do everything on their own terms. 
You look at them against Paris, they were the second best for most of the tie, and they won. You look at them against Chelsea, certainly in that second leg, they were second best for most of the game, and they found a way. So, Stinch is absolutely right. City are the better team. When they have control of games, they're incredible to watch. A little dull at times, but incredible to watch. <laughs> um, only when they've locked a game down. They're thrilling in other ways, but when they've locked a game down, it's not the most fun. But Real Madrid just have this weird, absurd X factor. How do you begin to price that in and kind of quantify it? It's really weird. It is. It's difficult. What I would say about the weekend is, um, as far as I've, I mean, I, I was quite shocked as as well by by the scenes that I saw, but everything suggests that there was no alcohol involved. And I know there's a picture of uh, Ancelotti chuffing down on a big cigar, but I, I think it was it was pretty sort of tame compared to what they normally are doing. So, I well, he won't be sprinting down the wing anytime <laughs> soon. So, I think he's allowed probably. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I mean, Real Madrid, you're right, they do things in their own way. Um, I've got very much similar thoughts and feelings and, and, and numbers behind my sort of selection here, a stinch really. And I think with the eye test as well as the data test, we could see that City were comfortably the better team, I would say, in, in the first leg, despite only winning by a one-goal margin. Um, and as you say, Kev, you know, we saw it against PSG and Chelsea. They were, they were second best for three quarters of those ties, yet still managed to pull out a result and it's admirable that they're still in this tie um you know those key moments i think uh, i think it was two nil and and mara's shot rather than pass to foden in the first half could have made it three nil mara's hit the woodwork as well and in the balance of place it would have put city two goals ahead of of Real Madrid again with plenty of time to play. So, you know, I think justified favourites going into the tie and I think they proved themselves in that first leg. But, you know, defensively, there are concerns about City at the minute. Um, starting that match with Zinchenko and Stones at fullback and then Fernandinho, they get Xiao Cancelo back. But now there's doubts around Stones and, and Nathan Ake as well. Carl Walker could be out for the season. Suddenly that back four does look a little bit fragile, uh, particularly about Walker's recovery runs. I know Cancelo will do that a lot himself, but... You know, that's a couple of issues to be ironed out. We've talked about Benzema and Vinicius all season. Even Rodrigo in that 4-3-3, which they selected at the Etihad, which was bold. It showed character, I thought, from Real Madrid to go in their in their old school system. But um, they've got issues of their own. And Alaba's not trained. He's a major doubt now. Casemiro back this weekend, but there's talk that he might get plugged in at centre-half because Ancelotti's lost confidence with, with Nacho at centre-back. And that would be a, a concern for me if I was trying to get Real Madrid on side here. But yeah, I think this tie is wonderfully set up. Um, but you just how many times can Madrid pull themselves off the canvas? You know, it's uh, there has to be. <laughs> I know it's knockout football, so of course they can ride this wave a little bit longer. But I just think they're due their comeuppance at some point, and City are probably the team who are going to give it to them. So I think considering the team news, I think both teams to score would have been a real runner. You're not going to get paid out big on that because the, the market's already on top of it. It's 1.55. So I think Man City to win and both teams to score is a 12 to 5 shot. I think that's reasonable enough to get involved with. I, I think, like Stinch, this second leg tie will be very different to what we saw against Atletico Madrid. Uh, I think City will go out to try and win the match, play on the front foot, but you just cannot rule out that Real Madrid attack against that City defence. And if you look at the sports book, City are 4 to 6 to score twice or more. As I say, both teams to score is 1.55. Um, City are reasonable favourites here, trading at around 2.12 on the exchange. Just combine the two, we're getting a 12 to 5 shot, which is saying there's less than a 30% chance of it happening. And I think, you know, the first leg went <laughs> really against what I expected. Did not expect it to be a 4 3 shootout, but um, 
you know, I think the way the tie is set up, I think something similar wouldn't be a huge surprise. Maybe not 4-3, but I think City should win this match and probably will concede too. Yeah, it could be a third all-English Champions League final in the space of four seasons. I'll leave you to think about whether that's a good thing or not. To the Europa League and two ties that are very much in the balance despite defeats for the two British sides. Rangers 1-0 down as they face RB Leipzig at Ibrox. But Mark, I actually think Leipzig are more dangerous away from home than they are at home right now. They get a bit more space to play. And even Domenico Tedesco, the Leipzig coach in the interview after the first leg said, well, yeah, look, I think we're going to enjoy the second leg more because Rangers have to come out, they have to play and we'll get chances. And I think that's true. 100%. Rangers went there with a basically a 5-3-2, didn't they, to try and limit the damage, play in a, a solid and compact style and did limit the damage largely, really. It was took a, a wonder goal to to win the game. So I think it was one of those games where both teams would have been kind of quietly pleased with the outcome, really. I think Rangers would be uh, you know, feeling they can take them back to Ibrox and give them a, a real good game. And I think the second half performance they showed in the old firm against Celtic on Sunday will give them a huge amount of hearts. They were very, very good, probably deserved a bit more than the final score. And, you know, with a, a raucous Ibrox crowd behind them, um, I know German teams aren't exactly surprised when they come across uh, lively atmospheres, but I do think it can make a difference for a team like Rangers. We've seen it in, in previous rounds of this competition. But um, yeah, Leipzig basically started without a recognised nine in the first leg. Olmo was flanked by Nkunku and, and Schoberslein. They looked a little bit laboured, um, but I agree. I think they can be better on the road. Um, there's been a lot of rotation around their team in recent weeks because they've had a really heavy schedule and they'll be boosted here because Campbell, Orban and, and Shimakan were suspended from that first leg. So the squad will be better, but... Um, just, you know, we've got to have to mention it really, but Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt are both playing on Monday um, because the Labour Day in, in Germany on Sunday means there was no football. And I just think the schedule is, is a little bit unkind. It does give Rangers and both West Ham a slight edge here. And Tedesco, whilst he said, you know, it's a bit of a chore, but we're up for it and we're ready, we're capable. You could tell he wasn't too pleased about the scheduling. I think they'd probably have preferred to play on Saturday with a quick turnaround. But, you know, Leipzig are in a massive battle for top four in, in the Bundesliga too, particularly with the weekend results. So they can't switch off. And I just wonder whether that might give Rangers a, an extra ounce or two. But I just go back to, you mentioned the, the away performances and, and Leipzig in the last round at Atalanta were so professional and composed and, and clinical. They will enjoy the extra spaces. Rangers will play much more on the front foot. And I think it's got the makings of being a really fun game, actually, and particularly with the underdog chasing, the underdog at home, the atmosphere. Um, but then I look to the Leipzig squad, such a probably the, the strongest, or maybe not the strongest, but the deepest squad in Germany. Definitely. So much ability. Definitely. Yeah, I would agree so with that ability. 100%. You compare it to, to Bayern Munich, Bayern might have the better individuals, but look at the bench. Like Leipzig's bench is really quite exciting. So I think both teams to score is a runner here at 1.77 on the exchange. And, um, you know, there's no prizes right now, but Christopher Nkunku, we mentioned it before the first leg, um, didn't score, but uh, he was 2.3 going into that game. He'll be a bigger price with Leipzig playing away from home. So it'll be a runner to score here, I think, again. Um, and again, no referee, no cards prices, but uh, John Lundstrom from uh, Rangers, uh, absolutely loves the card and uh, I think he'll be putting out fires all over the place and will be quite keen to get in and amongst it. So, yeah, I'll be backing Nkunku to score uh, at 2.5 or bigger, which I think we will get, and, and John Lundstrom to score if you see anything bigger than 5-2. to two. 
Yeah, I'm at the stage where I'm thinking of getting a tattoo that just says back Christopher and Kunku to score because I've recommended it so often this season. It'd be quicker for me to just put my arm up and show people uh, what I'm actually going to say. Stinch, the thing with this is there's a pattern here because Leipzig, I think, drew at home to Real Sociedad, went to Anoeta and won. Then they went to uh, Bergamo and beat Atalanta. Sorry, went to Anoeta, beat Real Sociedad. Went to Bergamo, beat Atalanta. They won't be phased by this. And I can't see a scenario where they don't score. Uh, no, I think it's funny because we say, you know, like Leipzig in the first leg had home advantage and thus were priced at 4-11. to 11 and, and now they're away from home. They're, they're nearly even money because they've lost that home advantage and don't necessarily need to win. But... As you've kind of already alluded to, like the game's now set up much more in their favour of how they want to play. There will be space for them to get in behind. So in my mind, arguably, it's, you know, you, you didn't really want to back them in the first leg unless you're probably offered, you know, something sort of close to four to six or something like that. But now you've been offered evens when you know the opposition are going to have to attack and leave spaces. I think I think it's I think it looks like a decent bet, to be fair. Very basically very similar to um, the, the Madrid game that we, we've already just spoken about, where except for the fact I think there's probably a bigger gap in quality between Rangers and Leipzig than there is in Madrid and Man City. Uh, mentioned about that five at the back in the first leg. I think, I think Rangers' game plan was perfect up until that Angelina goal. And you could argue still not too bad. I think if you, they were off, if somebody offered you, if somebody offered them 1-0 defeat to take back to Ibrox, I think they probably would have accepted that, you know, um, with the home crowd behind them and everything. So I think they're very commendable in their approach to restrict Leipzig to just 10 shots. But we, we saw that Nkunku did have two golden chances, really, to wrap, not wrap the tie up, but at least have a two-goal cushion. And I just think he's not, if he's presented with one of those again, he's not going to miss that again. Yeah. Um. I wonder about, Mark's mentioned obviously Leipzig schedule, but I wonder about Rangers schedule here with their third tough game in just eight days. They needed to win really against Celtic to keep that title chase alive. And I had, had wondered if Van Bronckhorst was going to prioritise the Europa League over the SPL with that seemingly further away than, than the Europa League. But he didn't really. He only made three changes. He, and he brought in Arfield, Davis and Sakala for, for Jack, Kamara and Wright. So in the first game, he didn't actually play with a striker. And I think that's very problematic for them with the likely absence of Kimar, Roof and, and Morelos. I mean, they've got 34 goals between them and that's it. That's a huge miss. Um, I would be surprised if Sakala doesn't start because I feel like he's the natural replacement in that attacking position. But he didn't play in the first game. And I feel that was maybe a, a bad choice because I think he would have been a good asset on the counter-attack. Um, and I was quite surprised, actually. They, they really did go for it against uh, against Celtic. I was, I think, quite admirably. Um, but that... They've got to, though, haven't they? I mean, he, he, that's a game where you don't really have a choice, do you? I, yeah, I understand <laughs> that. But just trying to take all the emotion out of it, which is maybe very difficult in that environment. But as I say, I just thought maybe they would prioritise this um, this second leg. Um I mean, they they probably should have won against Celtic. To be fair, um, if it wasn't for the for the post and, and Joe Hart in in separate incidents, I think they probably probably could have won. But yeah, I just really feel how much has all of that taken out of them, not just physically but mentally as well. Uh, maybe if they'd won actually yesterday, you could maybe they 
maybe the sort of uh, momentum would have continued and you could probably like forget about the the physicality side of things but yeah I just think uh, physically and mentally they're just going to be really drained and to be fair to Tedesco like he's done such a good job since he's arrived and they've impressively won in Dortmund, Atalanta, Leverkusen and Sociedad and they're only narrowly beaten weren't they away at Bayern so yeah, again, it's not one that I really, I don't, again, I don't really want to back teams that don't need to win. But again, I just think this Leipzig 19 to 20 is just too, too big to turn down. And if you, if you want it to be a bit more bold, maybe you could back Leipzig and Man City in a double around about three to one. Because um, you're kind of increasing, you're obviously increasing your payout, but then you're not having to risk as much. Um, bigger volatility, but bigger return. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Eintracht Frankfurt have now won at Real Betis. They've won at Barcelona. They've won at West Ham. There'll be an incredible atmosphere at Deutsche Bank Park as the Eagles look to protect a 2-1 lead against the Hammers. Stinch... West Ham look a bit big to me at 3.85 in the to qualify market. I know Frankfurt played really well at the London Stadium and they probably deserved to win. Created lots of chances, played really well. But I've watched them a lot this season and they do tend to be a bit better away from home than they are at home. And that's nothing to do with the support. The support is incredible at Deutsche Bank Park and there'll be TIFOs, there'll be you name it on Thursday. There won't be found wanting in terms of the home support. That does seem a bit big. It seems like an assumption. With only one goal and no away goals rule, 3.85 is big. Yeah, I couldn't agree more to be honest. I think especially as we mentioned in the first leg that Frankfurt have that volatility that they can win in Bayern but fail to beat Grutterfurt. Like yeah. that's that's the spectrum that we're talking about. And obviously, They've lost at home to Bielefeld and teams like that. It's yeah. Strange. And obviously with a thinner squad at this stage of the season, you know, you're more prone to having something like that upset you. I think we saw West Ham have prioritised this. You saw their team selection against um, Arsenal, uh, albeit, you know, they, 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 they only lost narrowly, but you could definitely see that the focus is clearly on this game. Yeah, I think this uh, the prices here is very surprising in my mind, as you mentioned, with, with no away goals, just the one goal in it. And on the sports, but West Ham are 4.1 to qualify, which is even bigger than the, the 385 you mentioned. Um, if, if anyone that didn't listen to the, the first leg, I recommended Frankfurt 6-4. to four. So I'm very happy to kind of basically trade out and back West Ham here at 3-1 to one because... Yeah, I just think the price is too big. And arguably, you know, West Ham West Ham maybe deserved to win the first leg based on the expected goals. 2.86 they created to Frankfurt's 1.48. I know game state dictates the fact that perhaps Frankfurt stopped attacking once they took the lead. Yeah, because Frankfurt scored in the very first minute, didn't they? So I guess that lends itself to that a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think this is... I'm not going to uh, say that I'm an expert on West Ham's history, but is this West Ham's biggest game for... Oh, for decades. For decades, I would say. Yeah. I mean, they've obviously had a cup. They've had that cup final against Liverpool and things like that. Um, but a European semi-final that they've got a genuine chance of getting to a final, it's enormous for the club. Yeah. 
Definitely. So yeah, I think I think taking West Ham here to qualify is is the way to go. Especially you look at the match odds. So you look at the match odds and you see West Ham are nine to five. It's like okay, we know if they if they were to win by one goal, obviously it would go to extra time. But in my mind, if that would happen and it goes to extra time, the the game's kind of sort of fifty fifty. So yeah. if you're taking yeah. them if you're taking them here at, at four point one rather than rather than the two point eight. Again, you can still look for the the cash out option if you if you're not comfortable if West Ham were to win, but at least you're getting over a unit bigger. Uh, and and arguably, you know, if they do win the game, they might win it by more than one goal. So you know, you to qualify bet will win in 90 minutes. So yeah, I think you look at the match odds and match odds say that West Ham are better. And as I say, that big disparity there between the 2.8 and the 4.1 just uh, makes complete sense for me to for, for to try and attack that because if Frankfurt do sit back on that 2-1 it is just going to be you know wave after wave of West Ham attacks um, and yeah as, as we've alluded to already given the fact this is their biggest game in forever they, they have got a decent record against good teams this season and as we've mentioned before Frankfurt do have that volatility so when you've got the likes of Bowen Ben Rama Fornaus then you've got the aerial threats of uh, Antonio and Suchek from set pieces with uh, Crestwell's delivery yep I think there's a lot to like about West Ham at these prices yeah Mark I, I do feel there's been a shift in recent years I think I think in times gone by we would have gone oh wow well if one team won two one away from home I mean they're almost there aren't they but travel's different you know the facilities are so good now uh, you know the away goals rule is gone it feels different now it's not the big eek moment that it would have been if you lose your first leg at home 2-1 you're still very much in this aren't you really yeah, definitely. I think the away goals rule definitely um, makes a huge difference in that. And for me, it's a, it's a full house, really. I think West Ham are being undervalued here. Funny, because we talked about Frankfurt being undervalued going into that first leg. But the um, the two teams uh, I've noticed, particularly with, with West Ham, when the expectation is on and there's a big crowd at London Stadium, they have tended to sort of falter a little bit. And you've, you've said the same about Frankfurt yourself, Kev. So, um yeah, maybe both teams aren't better suited to playing away from home, but I thought the first leg was a, a great watch. Uh, the early goal certainly helped that, but uh, I think what's the a goal ex- as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even with that, the, the total expected goals I think came in around four point three for the match. Uh, there were seven big chances, um, none of which were penalties either. So very end to end. Obviously, game state and home advantage helped West Ham rack up the the attempts and the XG but um, yeah it was fantastically set up for now for the second leg and um, you know, Frankfurt have to play Monday I know they'll they'll be re- well they already left a few players behind for the match at Leverkusen with this game in mind Hinteregger's got a cold but they're hoping he'll be okay for Thursday but uh, yeah, yeah, let me this- tell you they have no interest in that game whatsoever <laughs> I, I know that this will go out in the future and people might say oh what's he talking about Frankfurt won 4-0 but l- let me tell you if their game at Union Berlin recently was anything to go by. They have zero interest in that game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, and and that's the thing. It, it's all eggs in this basket. And I think West Ham, luckily for them, getting Zuma back. Uh, Dawson's obviously not suspended for Europe as well. Suddenly they got two um, centre halves of ability. Really, they're not sort of uh, plugging gaps. Really, the the, the potential centre halves of the weekend was really quite quite a quite a scare. So to get Zuma back fit and available was was key. Um, so yeah, suddenly West Ham are looking—I wouldn't say full, full, uh, full strength, but very much close to it. And 
Yeah, I think um, I've got very little to add, really, from what you guys said. Outside of that, really, I, I was looking at goals. I think goals are undervalued a little, actually. If you look at both both teams are scoring over two and a half goals individually and then collectively as well, there's definitely value in that considering the setup of this tie. The underdog leading 2-1 going into the second leg um, at home. Uh, I think over two and a half goals is nearly pushing evens on the exchange, which is, which wow, is really quite big. appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be. It's 1.94 now, but even still, the ingredients are there. Considering how we said the first leg played out, such a high XG total, two teams, uh, well, both, both West Ham are going to be pushing, but Frankfurt will fancy their chances in transitions. And, you know, we talk about West Ham's strength from set pieces. Well, Frankfurt are just as good. Costage will be looking to Hinterrego at every moment. So, yeah, I'm expecting goals in this game, but uh, I think the West Ham to qualify price is way too big. That's going to be exciting stuff, whatever happens. Let's finish off with something else exciting because I have to give huge credit to the Europa Conference League, which has been terrific. Been had some brilliant games, great stories. Leicester make the trip to Rome to face Jose Mourinho's Roma with the tie locked at 1-1. Mark, Roma are the 2.26 favourites to win the second leg. Leicester 3.6. Mark, do you think those prices are too far apart given what we saw in the first leg? Um, not massively. Um, I think maybe Roma should, or Leicester should be a little bit shorter. Roma, Roma slightly bigger. Um, but I don't think there's a huge amount of difference between these two teams. And I'm not reading too much into the first leg because Roma scored early. And with Mourinho teams, you kind of expect them to to sit back and try and soak up the pressure. And, and yeah, Leicester were much the better team and, and knocked on the door for quite a while before they got the goal and dominated the second half. But I just put it down to sort of game state and then Mourinho, really. Um, I think if the game was in the balance for a lot longer, we'd probably see a, a better Roma performance across the 90. Um, like most of the teams we've been talking about, they've had their eyes firmly set on Europe as well. And Mourinho said as much um, before and after the game against Bologna on Sunday. They only made six changes, but even still, there was clearly a priority of, of players. You know, Abraham, Karsdorp, Pellegrini and co all sort of uh, dropped to the bench. Um so they're, they're very, very much kind of putting their eggs in this basket as well. Um, and Leicester, as we know, weekend team, midweek team, it's been resting and rotating through the last month or so, nine changes at Spurs. They're very much injury-free now, um, outside of Ndidi. So we should start to see improvements in them defensively, um, as well as going forward, which we know that there's no question about their ability in forward areas. So I think this got, the game's got another sort of makings of being really quite exciting, quite end-to-end. -end. We'll have a great atmosphere in Rome again. Uh, Mourinho will be in the press all week, kind of getting the fans on side. So, yeah, again, I just thought the goal line was a little bit low here. Um, maybe it's the... Mourinho factor, maybe it's the fact that we're, we're level pegging after the first leg or the fact that the market can't really split these two convincingly. But the goal line on the Asian goal line is, is two and a quarter. Um, I would have had it two and a half as a starting point, but it just means that uh, over two and a quarter goals is around about 175. So you still need three goals to, to get a payout there. But if there's exactly two, you only lose half of your stake. But alternatively, you can back both teams to score again um, as the first leg, which is 1.82 on the exchange. So you're getting a bigger price and you don't require the three goals for a payout. And that just to me was, was much more appealing. Uh, again, we don't know the referee. Um, we don't have markets for cars right now, but... There's two who really stand out for me from a Roma perspective. Uh, Gianluca Mancini, um, everyone will know him. <laughs> Centre-half, bit of a card magnet, bit of a madman. 17 in 37 appearances this season. Um, and if you're looking for a double... 17 yellow cards this season. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was surprised it was only 17. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> I thought it'd be worse. <laughs> um, but one player who, who was a lot worse than I expected, actually, Nicola Zaniolo, 16 from 34. Um, and he is a player of huge ability in forward areas, but he's a tall, rangy lad as well. He loves to get around the park and put player, defensive players under pressure. He'll mouth off to the referee. Yeah, he's chippy, isn't he? He's really he mouthy, Zaniolo, yeah. Big, big guy, big frame. He will get amongst it as well. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, discourage anyone from getting involved with him. His prices are always uh, much more attractive than, than Mancini because he is a forward. But uh, yeah, he, he absolutely loves it. So uh, be looking to possibly double those two if the prices are right. Stinch, one thing that caught my eye, Tammy Abraham, 6-4 to four to score, evens in our new score or assist market. I was really surprised at that. He's been brilliant all season, loves this competition, scoring goals, making goals. We saw that brilliant bit of hold-up play, didn't we, in the first leg where he had that back heel. Um, I'm really surprised about those prices. Yeah, I quite like the sound of the, I mean, 6-4 to four to score sounds fine, but I think um, losing slight, slightly a, a bit of your price there, but taking the evens, he, he get, could get an assist either way, I think is, is quite, quite a good price. I would expect maybe a little bit shorter. I think especially as well, the last, probably about the last six months now, Mourinho's tended to play with the, with the front two. So Abraham's got a partner there, somebody he can lay the ball off to, and often with, a, with another man in behind. Whereas at the beginning of the season, he was playing on his own up front. So that probably, I think that probably lends itself a little bit more by backing that. And yeah, he's just been fantastic this season. Um, for me, like absolutely should be going to the World Cup. No shadow of a doubt. For me, I would have him as Harry Kane's direct replacement. Or if you're chasing a game, I think that you could easily play maybe Kane up front with Abraham. We know Kane likes yeah. to drop off. And Couldn't get into, agree more. Get into the hole. So yeah, for me, like I... Abraham definitely I would have a shoe in uh, I'm not sure what prices he is to go to the World Cup but I don't think he's I think probably because he's not playing in England there's not enough not much as much immediate attention on him that he should get and I don't know if you saw well, Tamori for Kyle Tamori not being in the squad let alone the team is insane to me Mi- mm-hmm. Milan are keeping clean sheets left right and centre and he's been a massive part of that yeah, yeah I mean he could have a you know Serie A medal not in, not, in a not too distant future uh, as well I just I don't know if you saw recently, but Abraham I think last week really talking up Mourinho, really like saying that he's like getting the best out of him. He's he's the man he wants to play for, and I think as Mark alluded to, like I don't think Mourinho went to Leicester uh, for the win because Roma themselves only had four shots in the match, and I, I so I think they've definitely targeted the the second leg as is the one to attack Leicester at. They know that there's no away goals. Um, which I think when you're playing somebody like Leicester that are capable of scoring quickly um, and in short spaces and short bursts, um, I think that's a, a good thing on to have on their side. Um, so I know Mark's mentioned about over 2.25 goals, but just to kind of, um, you know, be on the other side of the argument, not that I think it's a good bet or a good price, but I just think there is the potential that this could be really cagey. With both, with it turning into maybe a little bit of a chess match. You remember um, when Rogers faced Mourinho um, when Liverpool were going for the title in 13-14, was it? Um, the game at Anfield, where Chelsea had nothing to play for, played a B team, and you know Mourinho su- successfully stifled that sort of all-out attack of Suarez, Sturridge, Sterling, etc., uh, and reduced it to you know. Um, 
a game of very little chances. I think if there's not an early goal in this one, it could it could be it could be turn into a low scoring match. But um, yeah, out of all the games we discussed, this one I, re- I really don't have an opinion on it. I think it could be really really cagey. Um, one thing I will say, which is very uh, refreshing to see, is uh, Spinazzola has made the substitute bench the last five games, and for me was one of the players of the Euros. Um, yeah. So maybe, maybe that if say the game was to go to extra time, maybe he could be someone that could come on and, and make the difference out of nowhere. Now we don't expect a low-scoring game. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the guys do, but I certainly don't expect a low-scoring game uh, when Feyenoord go to France to take on Marseille because the first leg was insane. Some great goals, some awful goals. Uh, Feyenoord won three-two against Jorge Sampaoli's team. Feyenoord's matches in general full of entertainment. Stinch, I can't see this being hugely different. I think this is probably the most exciting of the six ties, uh, yeah. given given the way the, the, the tie currently sits. Um, I mean, you only have to look at the odds and that's kind of suggesting it. So over two and a half goals is four to seven. Both teams to score is one to two. But blimey, both teams to score two or more goals, seven to two. That just wow. looks absolutely enormous to me. I mean, I'm not saying it because it finished 3-2 in the first game, but you know, it's 2-2 after, what, 40 minutes in the first leg? And it, and you look at the defending. How, how can you have kickoff? <laughs> how can you have kickoff? And nine seconds later, the ball ends up in your own net. Like, literally, that's the whole point of having kickoff. You have the advantage. You start halfway up the pitch and you can mm. dictate where the ball goes. Why would you go all the way back to the goalkeeper after you've already been 2-0 down? You should be thinking... And so badly as well. It's one thing to do it. It's another thing to just roll it gently into the path of the striker. I mean, you just don't take any chances in that situation, do you? You go, okay, well, we'll we'll concede a throw in deep inside our own half. Yes, we've messed up kickoff, but we were 2-0 down, so let's remember the bigger picture. So, wow, you know, if that's what's going on. And as you mentioned, Feyenoord, especially in the Europa League, they've been absolutely mental 3-1 away at Slavia Prague after drawing 3-3 at home to them first leg against Partizan they won 5-2 there then they won 3-1 at home it's just been goals galore all of their games this season in Europa League have sorry the Europa Conference League bar the uh, away game against Maccabi Haifa have seen both teams score and invariably because Feyenoord have got to this stage they've been the one that scored at least two anyway and yet they're coming up against uh, arguably a better team or at very worst 50-50. So yeah, I don't see I don't see any reason not to try and attack that price. I mean, if you're backing over two and a half goals or four to seven, you need three goals. So don't think we're saying either team is probably going to score is going to win 3-0. So then you're going from 1 to 2, you're going all the way up to 7 to 2, so 1.5 to 4.5. By having that extra goal and you're saying they're going to be split fairly evenly, I just think that's a massive price to attack. Yeah, Mark, for our Bet the Day column on betting.betfair.com, I thought I'd have a look at Fortuna Sittard's game against Feyenoord. And, you know, you wrestle with these things and you look at various things. And I thought, would Feyenoord relax ahead of that second leg? And I thought, no, of course they won't. So backed over three and a half goals. And in it came at 2.3. They won 3-1 away at Fortuna Sittard and didn't relax at all. They're just not that type of team, are they really? I know Sampaoli at times has been a bit more circumspect than we thought he might be in Liga, but this is just going to be chaos, isn't it? 
Yeah, you'd think so. I, I was really surprised. There was only 24 shots in that first leg because it felt like a lot more. And But the thing was, <laughs> 11 were classed as big chances. Um, so chances where players have a, a reasonable expectation of scoring. So it was chaos. And I think it was more befitting of a second leg, really. But as you say, it's kind of just in line with what Feyenoord have been doing all season, really. They went for Marseille from the first whistle, but um, you know they managed to survive a bit of an onslaught in the second half. But uh, they've had a really good week because domestically, Twente and, and Arze dropped points as well. So it meant Arnie Slot fielded quite a strong eleven for that trip to Sittard, convincing 3-1 winners. And as you said, Kev, the, the longer-term trends for goals and entertainment in final matches are... Are mad really. 14 of the last 15 across all comps have seen both teams score. Um, over two and a half has, has landed in 15 of the last 18. Over three and a half has landed in 12 of those 18. They've kept four clean sheets in 24. Bearing in mind they're playing in the Eredivisie and they're considered quite comfortably the third best team and they've only kept four clean sheets in 24, but they've only failed to score twice since November as well. So perhaps the first leg wasn't a huge surprise really considering the way in which fine old work. And look, Marseille need a reaction. Um, beaten 3-0 pretty horrendously by Lyon at home on Sunday night. It's basically thrown their top three position in Ligue 1, um, wide open now with the chasing pack just three points behind them. They've conceded twice or more in, their last, in four of their last five. Um, and yeah, they're well beaten by Leon. Coughed up a load of chances. Uh, Milik missed two great opportunities himself in the first half. But yeah, it was a strange they... game that wasn't it? Because Marseille actually started all right, didn't they? And made some decent chances, and then Leon Crumble. just took the, wiped the floor with them. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the issue with the Velodrome as well. It can be such a, a force for good, but also if things start to go against them, it will start to unravel. The, the crowd will quickly turn against Marseille and I just wonder whether they could turn nasty with Feyenoord in the way in which they play. If they were to score early and, and continue to attack, it could get quite uh, quite feisty. But um, yeah, we're talking about goals. Um, very keen to back goals in any sort of way and I love the, the angle Stinchford uh, has highlighted there. But Dimitri Payet is, is, is two to one to score at any time, which to me is just too big. Um, he's been Marseille's most influential player yet again. He's on penalties, he's on set pieces, tends to rise to the big occasion. Um, 16 goals and 41 across all appearances this season, hence the price. But uh, he's actually three from three in the Conference League. And in Ligue 1, he's averaging almost 0.4 expected goals per game, um, which if you averaged out into a into an actual odds and price, um, it wouldn't be two to one. So, um, yeah, I thought he, uh, he's quite appealing at the price. He's been a talisman in key matches and uh, I expect him to be massively involved in this match too. Well, that's all we have time for on this special European edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Every Champions League, Europa League and Conference League semi-final match gets its own dedicated preview on betting.betfair.com. From Mark, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>